Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. Hello friends, welcome to episode 39. Today I'm doing something a little bit different and I'm sharing with you the recording of a masterclass that I did earlier in September in my private Facebook community called Board Talk. So you'll hear me referencing uh, a few people who have tuned in live to this masterclass and referencing some of the other activities within the community. I also apologize for the occasional sniffle that I make during this episode. Allergy season is well underway here in South Australia and I am definitely feeling it. If you're interested in getting onto a board and thriving in the boardroom, which I'm going to assume you are since you're listening to this podcast, joining the Board Talk community is free and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash board talk. That's B-O-A-R-D-T-A-L-K or search for board talk in the groups area of Facebook. Now, this episode is all about the key boardroom skills to master that will enable you to have a successful board career, regardless of the organization that you're sitting on the board of. I share exactly what these are and how to master them. So let's get into the episode. Good morning, board talkers. It is Lisa here again this time for your monthly masterclass we're talking all about mastering keyboard room skills and we're actually going to cover five meta skills that all board members will appreciate developing let's say that (laughs) we are as I mentioned we're going to look at mastering some key boardroom skills Um, these are what I had called in my mind meta skills and it turns out that that's actually a thing that exists Um, and we'll get into that a little bit Um, But these are sort of meta skills that I feel like are some skills that broadly apply to all board members, regardless of the board that you're sitting on. So it's more than just understanding governance or learning how to read your financials. It's beyond that, but I'll get into that shortly. So what is a meta skill, I think, is the number one question we need to answer up front. And I found a definition that seems to make enough sense from an organisation called Fearless Culture. And a meta skill is a high order skill that allows you to engage with functional expertise more effectively. It's a catalyst for learning and building new skills faster skills are temporary, meta skills are permanent. Uh, If you think about learning a second language or how to code, you could think of that as a skill. A meta skill, on the other hand, is your ability to learn the, the new languages. Once you've developed that meta skill, learning new languages, so beyond that second language, so your third or fourth language becomes easier. Hopefully that's a clear enough definition. (laughs) Um, Or you get the essence of what it is. Now, I'm sure that there are many views on what meta skills can benefit, um, sorry, what meta skills board members can benefit from developing or from working on. And there's probably way more than the five that I'm sharing today. But five is, this is my list that I've compiled from really my 12 odd years in the boardroom. And really it's it's from my own personal experience. Um, 
really from a lot of the mistakes and missteps that I've made that I would love for you not to have to make because they're not really that comfortable. Um, but they're the most valuable lessons to learn, right? So, so they're deeply rooted in my experience and that's to emphasize that these are my perspectives. Um, I'd love to hear your perspectives too, especially those in the community who have previous board experience and what they've recognized as well. Hi, Matt, thanks for tuning in. Um, so if you have a different perspective or if you've noticed something, a, a meta skill that you have developed yourself or seen in other successful board members, I would love for you to share that in the comments as well. So why, why am I talking about meta skills? So the chances are very, very high that you as a board member, whether you're aspiring, whether you're new, whether you've been a board member for some time, we're all board members in some degree or another, chances are very high that you'll be sitting on a whole range of different boards in different organisations, at different organisation life cycles, in different economic circumstances, they serve different customers, a whole range of different unique challenges and opportunities um, that all sit within a unique culture and structure, et cetera, et cetera. To try and build specific skills for each context, whether you're in there or before you get in there, would be near impossible to do. So this is where developing these meta skills enables you to have that foundation, that catalyst, like we said in that definition, for learning and building new specific skills faster and easier. And that's really where we're coming from with these meta skills. So it doesn't matter what board you're sitting on, what context that's in, what economic circumstances, you'll feel confident knowing that you have those underlying skills that you'll be able to pick things up really quickly, make informed decisions and not be too worried about becoming an expert in everything before you can actually do something. That's where we're getting from. Right, so here's my list of my five <laughs> meta skills. The first one, and this is what we're covering over August. So you kind of had a sneak peek last week at the first one, which is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And last week I did share a lot of information around the finances in an organisation and exposing yourself to to these financial statements, to financial conversations, to financial thinking, and especially if this isn't a space where you're comfortable with, really the, the reason for that is, yes, we need to understand finances in the boardroom, but firstly, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and a great space to do that in the board world is around the finances because it is a space that a lot of people get intimidated with. They, they feel intimidated about it. And that's totally cool. I get that. There's probably a lot of stuff that we all feel intimidated about, but especially in the boardroom, we don't have the privilege of being the ostrich with our head in the sand. We have to face reality and we, we just have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and so that feeling that you might have had when you took out your bank statement and looked at it. It might have been the first time you've ever done this or the first time that you've done it in a long time. That feeling of not really knowing, not understanding, not knowing what some of the words meant, some of the structure of the financial statement, whatever it was. That's a really familiar feeling that you're going to have. It's going to happen <laughs> whenever you start a new board. So if nothing but for that very purpose, that once you start getting into new environments and getting onto these boards, that you're going to have that awkward, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm meant to say, et cetera, et cetera, that feeling's gonna be really um, prominent when you start on a new board. 
So it's worth getting familiar with it right now and really comfortable with it. Um, so what do you normally do in these circumstances where you feel like a fish out of water? What's your normal go-to strategy dealing with this? Now, I'm going to talk about what I did because the, the memory that popped into my mind when I was working through this area was the very first board meeting on my community bank board. Um, this is when I started, pardon me, my nose is tingling like it's going to sneeze. Now, I remember when I sat in this board, it was my first proper board where there were actual staff in the business and we had um, kind of like a CEO equivalent. It was fantastic, but holy moly, that first board meeting, um, it was not fun and I really felt like I had no idea what I was doing and that I felt like the dumbest one in the room and I had no idea and this wasn't for me and, oh, my God, why did I put my hand up for this or why did I accept this position, etc., etc. So here's what I did and I hope that this is helpful for you. So I, I just, I sat there. I sat in the discomfort and I really set the intention to be the observer. To instead of trying to make myself feel better or talk myself into being in some sort of state of mind or something like that, that would make myself feel better because I was uncomfortable. I just accepted that being the new board member meant that my ability to really understand and contribute in those first handful of meetings was really limited. But that, it was up to me <laughs> to learn and to take on a lot of information really quickly and assess the situation to be able to start giving back value as soon as I could. So I invested in my learning and growing and understanding, not just of this organization, but of boards in general. This really was the catalyst that started Get On Board Australia. Um, story for another day. So if there was an induction process in this board, I would have embraced that fully. That is a really great place to start. So if you're someone starting a new board, induction process would be wonderful. And I asked questions. I asked for clarification. Um, I asked people what was going on and what all of those great acronyms and terms that they were using actually meant. So not only are you starting in an organisation that you have no idea about, but I was also in an industry, so in finance and banking, that I had never worked in before. So double whammy there, I feel. <laughs> But asking questions is great because asking questions, especially when you're the new person in the room, forces people to explain why things are done a certain way. And that could really lead to a lot of uh, illuminating thought processes as well uh, and changes to the way things are done. Because just because I've always done it that way doesn't mean that we have to keep doing it that way. So, so what can you do here? I've got for each of these five, I've got a few sort of takeaway actions that you could do um, if you want to master each skill. So we got comfort in the discomfort and really some, some things you could do is set yourself a challenge to find situations where you are not the smartest person in the room, that it's an unfamiliar room and you have no idea what's going on. Um, or you aren't the expert. So find those environments and expose yourself to them. Secondly, find a way to cope with these uncomfortable situations that works for you. And it could be just having blind faith in yourself that you will one day understand what's going on and that you will do everything that you can to accelerate that learning process. Whatever helps you to get that comfort within the discomfort is something that you want to find what works for you. And thirdly, 
accept that discomfort is part of your growth, which I loved that when I read it from Brené Brown. If you're not, if you are constantly comfortable, chances are you're not growing. So discomfort is part of growth. Even just saying that may help you in those circumstances where you do feel really uncomfortable and really stupid because it's the first time being exposed to it. So that's comfort in the discomfort. Second one is around curiosity and asking questions like I've already kind of touched on is a near perfect way for you to learn and grow your knowledge inside the boardroom. So the opposite to asking questions I feel is making assumptions, is assuming. And assuming that you know the reason and the detail behind everything that you're presented with in the boardroom, or even worse, just accepting it on face value without verifying the information or doing independent thought and evaluation and research to reach your own conclusion is not, is not what board members are there for. Whilst I truly believe that trust is the foundation of a great board team, and that expands also to the CEO and to the senior executive team who are presenting you with information, um, I feel like the phrase trust but verify is a great mantra to take into the boardroom. So doing your own independent thought research, evaluation of things that you're presented with in the boardroom and asking question, more questions about it is a really good way to verify your assumptions to verify your thinking and to verify those answers that you've probably been given that, that people are expecting you to just rubber stamp and put through. So having curiosity really is, I feel, a two, two sort of pronged approach, two pronged approach. One is knowing the great questions to ask or just having a bag of go-to questions uh, that really you can ask in any situation to deepen or further your understanding. And in the group, I asked the question on Monday around any great questions that you've been asked. And that stimulated a really good conversation. And I would encourage you to go and revisit that post, see what those couple questions are that people have written there and add your own as well. Do you have any go-to questions that you like to um, ask in board meetings or even in, in work meetings as well. I find these are really useful skills to start to develop in a professional setting as well as a board setting. Um, so let me know. So the, the, the second prong is having the courage to ask the questions, particularly if you feel like it's a stupid question, the dumb question, um, if you're also concerned that your question will cause issues. Um, sometimes I've been known to what I call is drop bombs, <laughs> which is sometimes very helpful, sometimes not very helpful. Um, but I feel like if there's a little unease about it, that they're probably the questions that need to be asked. And there's a way to ask them and a way to ask them. So this is where a little bit of professional judgment comes in. Also, really learning on the job as well. Different, different cultures in the boardroom are okay with different styles of questioning, with um, different words. The post that was in the community on Monday highlighted this really fast. Really depends on the context, what you're used to, what the what the rules of engagement are around that board about how you ask the questions, what questions are asked, etc. So I feel like courage is that underlying thing that you need to have the curiosity. They really work hand in hand in my mind. 
So I've got a few things that will help if you feel like you need more courage. Um, and like I said, these are professional settings as well as board settings. So one thing you could do, consider the bigger reason why you're there, the higher purpose that you're serving. As a board member, we're really there in the best interest of the long-term sustainability of the organisation. That's where we should be basing our decisions. What do we feel and know and believe to be the best decision for the organisation in the long term? That may help you supplant some of that um, angst that you might be feeling around the line of questioning that you take or the things you bring up in the boardroom as well. So come back to thinking about, well, this is not about me. This is about a bigger purpose. It's also about the community that that organisation is serving as well, whether it's the shareholders, the stakeholders, the beneficiaries, whoever it is, place your thinking with them to get your courage. Um, ask yourself what's the worst that can happen and how quickly could you recover from that if you if it actually manifested. And what I mean by that is what's the worst thing that could happen to you if you asked this question that you're feeling a little uncertain about? Chances are it's not a lot that's going to go wrong and it's not a lot that's really not recoverable from. So just think about that as well. That may help. Third thing I've got is really be honest with yourself about the cost of inaction. So if you just sit on your hands and you don't say anything, you don't ask the question, really doing nothing may not be the best way to deal with this situation here and now. And being a board member who is passive, being a board member who isn't confident, who doesn't participate, who doesn't ask questions, really does not hold well for your reputation as a board member. Now, there will be times and places where you will benefit from doing nothing and sitting on your hands. <laughs> I'm still practicing that. But chances are it's better to ask the question or to seek some clarification or to participate in some way, especially on things that are a little bit, you're feeling a little bit uneasy about. Um, the, the next thing is to hold yourself accountable for your performance in the boardroom during board meetings. So assess it, evaluate it, look back on it. W was I courageous? Was I brave? Did I waver? Did I hold myself back from something? How did I perform during that board meeting? Did I ask the right kind of questions? Did I ask it at the right time? Did I ask it in the right way to get the outcome that I was hoping for? And did that outcome eventuate? Was it as I expected or wanted or was it different and why or why not? And how can I replicate that again going forward or what do I need to do differently next time to ask a better question or have my timing be better? etc etc one thing that i really enjoy doing is finding role models and role models can be people and they won't even know that they're being your role model or being sort of like a, a passive mentor if you want to think of it like that so is there a role model on your board or in your workplace that's really skilled at asking great questions at asking them at the right time and asking them in the right way. Can you observe this person and learn from them and how they do it? And this can be in a work setting, professional setting or a board setting. And this is why it's so important for you to be selective about the boards you join, really about who else is around the board table and will you be able to learn from them? And these are some of the skills that are really going to carry you through your board career, regardless of the board that you're on. And having courage and asking great questions 
it's one of those skills. Is there a role model that you can identify and learn from, um, or maybe more than one? Just pick a pick all the good stuff from a whole range of different people. That's also valuable as well. And lastly, you can just feel the fear and do it anyway, which in essence is what I'm advocating for anyway. Um, I'm presuming you have good professional judgment um, and discernment. So you're not someone who's going to take that quote flippantly. You'll actually understand that sometimes you do have to feel a bit scared, a bit uncertain, but do that thing anyway because it's for the greater good. And the greater good can also include your future board career as well because you're going on to help more and more people have that ripple effect etc at onboard they believe that board meetings should be informed effective and uncomplicated imagine a solution that streamlines board pack preparation enhances board governance and information security and improves collaboration and productivity a board management solution that's easy to use from any device. Onboard provides just that solution and is the most easy to use board management platform available today. Respond quickly to changes and simplify difficult tasks that traditionally eat up board member time and resources. Track and execute action items with the task manager, build board packs faster than ever send and receive targeted alerts and messages to keep everyone informed. Ready to explore how Onboard can help your board thrive? Visit bit.ly forward slash onboard meetings for more information. Third meta skill. Now this is kind of a mixed bag, so bear with me. I've listed it down as interpersonal relationships, political nous, influence, and self-awareness. And the boardroom is not the environment where we go to um, with the ambition of making friends with everyone and, and people pleasing and just aligning with the the mainstream. You are there to be respected, to gain respect, to give respect as well. It's not a license just to be a jerk, but we're not there to all um, make sandcastles together in the sandpit and just be one big happy family sitting around singing Kumbaya all the time. Um, there is enormous value in candour, in um, having robust conversations, which some people may uh, interpret as aggression. <laughs> Again, this is being comfortable with the discomfort, having some of those robust conversations, um, as long as you're working towards a, a, a meaningful outcome and solution to that conversation. Um, so a lot about, I'm digressing, a lot about how well a board performs as a team has to do with the interpersonal relationships of the board members themselves and how they work together as a team. So everyone's very focused on governance, governance, governance. Everyone needs to know about governance and finances and things like that. I always believe that if you look after the people stuff and do that well, the governance and the finances and things like that will really take care of themselves. So this is about working well in a team for a purpose. Hi, Subu. Um, so how well people come together and work in a team, I feel is strongly rooted in self-awareness. You having self-awareness, me having self-awareness, and we can bring that self-awareness to the group to work well together. Um, so that's really what this is going to focus on. It's going to focus on developing self-awareness. Now, self-awareness 
I feel like is that phrase that everyone has their own sort of definition on. It, it kind of means different things, slightly different things to, to different people. So I have a definition here. Self-awareness is defined as conscious knowledge of one's own character and feelings. It's being aware of different aspects of the self, including traits, behaviours and feelings. Self-awareness is having a better understanding of ourselves and is the gateway or foundation on which we can build stronger relationships, communicate better, be a more effective leader, make sound decisions and actually you're less likely to be dishonest. And uh, that was a range of sources that that came from, those different definitions and bits of that. So having high self-awareness is going to help you personally and it's going to help you in a group setting like a boardroom. So how do we, how do we build this self-awareness? Um, I've got a few things. So <laughs> seek frequent critical feedback. Now, not just from anyone, but from loving critics. So these are people who have your best interests in mind and are willing to tell you the truth, hopefully tell you the truth in a nice enough way that you don't get triggered or upset, but that might happen. Like Brené Brown said, discomfort's part of growth. So you can't expect to um, unearth those shadow sides of ourselves without feeling a bit, oh, really? Am I like that? Oh, my God, I didn't know and I feel so bad and that's not great because that's not who I want to be. Um, but that's, that's part of developing your self-awareness. And so... Getting that information from someone that you know has your best interests in mind and best interests in heart is going to help you take that on and really embody and embrace that a lot more. Um, when you're reflecting on what you're doing, a better question to ask yourself is what rather than why. Why did I get upset over that? Why, why am I so tired? Why am I this? Why am I that? Why am I getting triggered when every time I watch the news? Um, apparently a better question to ask is a what? So what can I do instead to not get triggered by this rather than just this constant why, why, why? Apparently that's not the most effective way to reflect on our actions. So when you're doing your post-board meeting reflection, Starting questions with what may help you to develop better strategies going forward. Personally, I think a mix of the two, some whys and some whats, may be really valuable as well. Um, the other thing which I think is a great idea in a board setting um, is really to work at understanding other people's motivations and their personalities and their temperaments and things like that. Um, so you can understand and everyone else around the board table, how to work with that, how to work well as a team. Now you can do a formal personality quiz style thing, Maya Briggs, there's a million out there that you can do. Um, I think they all have their merit as long as they're founded in science and anything that helps shed some light and help you to understand each other and how to work better as a group is really worthwhile doing. Um, but it could just be a series of conversations. And I think I've talked about in, in this community before around dating your board, but I certainly have an article on the website uh, get on bordestray.com.au, why you should date your board. And that really speaks to that as well, because I've had situations where how I come across in the boardroom is, was interpreted as um, probably egotistical and self-serving in, in why I wanted things done a certain way proper governance processes. Um, so what I found was valuable in that was really coming 
back to to these people who felt like this and and shedding some light and saying hey you know like governance is kind of what I do as a job <laughs> so I can't really screw this up because that's not going to look very good um that end every organization needs good governance foundations but that you just need to keep in mind that my decisions are really based in the long-term sustainability of the organization as a whole and of the community that we're serving and the whole reason that this community bank was started in the first place, et cetera, et cetera. So I find that those kind of conversations, whether they're one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting, um, whether you have dinner before or after a board meeting, those are really great places to do those. Fourth meta skill. Yes, fourth. Knowing you don't know it all. I wish I had a better, more snappy phrase to, to use for this one. Um, but always keeping in mind that we don't know everything. And seeing ourselves as highly experienced, which we will, which is good in a way, but overdone can become a weakness. Uh, and which is common amongst a lot of board members, especially long-term board members, seeing yourself as highly experienced can actually keep you from doing the homework, seeking disconfirming evidence and questioning our assumptions. So if we believe that, that oh, well, I'm, I'm smarter than everyone here. I've been here a long time. I know this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I know how this works. That holds you back from exercising that independent thought and finding disconfirming evidence. It can also make you overconfident about your level of self-knowledge. So as someone's power grows, and this can be perceived and boards are really great environments where people perceive that they have a lot of power, especially if they're the chair. Um, as your power grows, chances are your willingness to listen will shrink, either because you think you know more than the employees or because seeking feedback on yourself will come at a cost. So if I ask for feedback on my performance, if it's negative, the chances are I'm going to lose my seat or I'll lose respect or whatever it is that people tell themselves about not asking for feedback. So thinking that you've got nothing to learn or that you already know everything is a really dangerous trap to fall into. Um, this is in the boardroom. This is in the workplace, this is in personal relationships. <laughs> this is just, I think, I feel a universal rule. Um, and as I said, it's a mindset that can really settle in, probably without us really noticing if we're on a board or in a certain environment or context for an extended period of time. So keep that in mind. So what can you do about that? Um, without falling into this trap of thinking that you know it all and you've got nothing left to learn, which I've been told by a chair of a board that they've got nothing to learn and that they know it all already. So it happens. Um, so what do you do? Question your assumptions. So we have talked about questioning assumptions. You have assumptions about yourself, question them. Verify what I'm basing my decision on. So even about ourselves, can we trust but verify our own thinking? Um, accept that you don't know everything about everything. It is impossible. There are what I call the unknown unknowns. So there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that you don't even know that you don't even know. And that's the scary stuff. Is that happening on your board? Is that happening in your organisation where there are things that you don't even know that you don't know about? So what else? Invest in learning. It's money and it's time. 
learning doesn't have to be a paid experience. Being part of these communities, engaging, learning, reading the articles on, on the Get On Board Australia website and on other governance board related websites, business website, whatever the topic is that you're looking for, you can access those. You can get books, you can watch YouTube videos, you can watch access so much free information about the subject area you're looking for. There's really no excuse to be not investing in your learning. Um, consider reverse mentoring. So this is where a younger person mentors an older person. And sometimes these are really valuable, especially in organisations where they're customer base may skew a little bit younger or that there could be real value for the organisation in adapting how they deliver their product or service in a way that's more attractive to younger people. And cross-generational mentoring like that doesn't always have to be the wise old person mentoring a junior. It can be the other way around as well. Um, one thing I like is question everything. Um, it's a bit vague and open-ended, but it's a good kind of principle to have. Question everything. Why? Why do I need to do that? Why are we doing it that way? Um, it's a good place to start. Also encourage the whole board as a group to come together and do some learning. And again, this could be low cost, no cost or paid, um, all it takes is intention and some time, most of it. Everyone reads the same article, everyone reads the same book, everyone watches the same video, comes together and talks about what they learned, how can they apply it to this board, how can we apply it to this environment, simple things like that. It just takes the intention and the time to do it. So that's a few ways um, to look at knowing that you don't know everything. The last one, are we up to the last one? Yes, we are, is commitment. And I don't know about you, I, I kind of went commitment, is that a skill really? I don't know, but there are there is some people that may need to develop this skill. I hear enough on every type of board, every sort of board, that there's a cohort of board members that just don't have that level of commitment. They're just not pulling their weight. So perhaps it is. And when I got to thinking about it, I thought, well, there's probably some things that I have committed to in my mind and never followed through with them. So to some extent or another. So we all do it to a certain degree. So how do we make sure that when commitment matters, when other people depend on it, when it's important for our goals, for our reputation, for our ongoing work as a board member, what do we do? So it's worth reflecting on. Good starting point. What is your reputation when it comes to sticking things out when they get challenging or when a perceived better offer comes along? What's your normal reaction to that? What about your goals? Maybe New Year's resolutions. Um, we're fast approaching that time of year again. <laughs> Do you follow through with them? Do you actually take the time to sit down and plan out what you're going to do to achieve that goal and then execute on it, which is a great exercise um, that's kind of related to corporate strategy. <laughs> we could have to our personal life strategy in that sort of way, but we're talking about commitment. So joining a board takes commitment. Getting on a board in the first place, for those of you out there who are looking for board roles, understand how much of a commitment it is just to get on a board in the first place. 
luckily, that's kind of like your first lesson in board life is that it takes effort. It takes work. Um, once you're on a board, it's not just smooth sailing, right? You're, you're going to have your usual commitments on a board, meeting prep, board meeting, committee work, committee prep, committee meetings, extra events, AGMs, whatever it is that happens, thinking time, whatnot. But also the dreaded crisis. There will be a crisis. It's a matter of when, not if, ever. <laughs> so at that point, at a point of crisis, the organisation, its staff, its shareholders, its stakeholders, they'll be looking to the board. They'll be looking to you for leadership, for guidance. What are we doing? What's going on? What's happening to the company? Do I have a job? Um, what's happened to in my, to my investment? Am I going to lose anything, everything, et cetera, et cetera? If you choose to jump ship at that moment, the company will be in a worse situation because they're down a board member and they'll have an empty board seat to fill perhaps at a time where this is their least priority. Um, but your reputation, your board reputation will take a beating. So whatever your motivation is, stick with it. Know that you've made this commitment in your mind. I always encourage people to make a commitment on a board um, for two terms. It's normally two or three years. So you could be there for four to six years. Um, but at the very, very least, very least, minor, teeny, tiny, least amount, one term, if you can eke that out. Um, but you don't, you don't want to do that if you don't have to. Anyway, not, not every situation is going to be one that you want to stay in, though. So I don't want you sticking around in a context uh, or in a circumstance where it's really going to be negative personally to you. So you're at risk personally. And if the other board members are, are going rogue and just doing whatever they want and you've really lost that trust and you don't have a lot of faith, um, one, keep good notes to get off. Um, that's my advice. Now, I will share a story about my board experience where the board was dysfunctional. Um, the chair was dictatorial, let's call it that. And I tried to work every angle that I could to put things on the right track to get things heading in the right direction, to get things done properly in line with good governance processes and practices and things like that. I was trying, I was trying, I was trying. Then the chair of the board did something that they weren't allowed to without the whole board voting for this. They just went ahead and did this. When I brought that up at the board meeting, one of the other board members said, I don't know why we're wasting time talking about this. And that's when I thought, oh, okay, you guys don't care about proper governance processes as well. I can't handle this. The risk to myself personally has tipped over the line and I'm out. So I did a whole bunch of trying, nothing changed, things happened it was time to pull the plug. And that was sad. I didn't want to do that. But um, sometimes you have to have courage to do some things. Uh, and that was one of them. So not every situation uh, will be one that you want to stick around in. But as much as you can, I encourage you to stick things out when they get hard, when they get difficult, when they get challenging. Um, so how, how do we exercise our commitment muscle? This is, uh, I found a little bit challenging. So if you have any suggestions, I would love to hear them in the comments. Uh, so firstly, see things through to completion, even when they go pear-shaped or not according to plan. So they might take longer, might take a different route, whatever it is. Um, coming up with novel solutions to challenges that you have, that you have on, on your plan 
it's kind of like a business adjusting its strategy as things changes. Ha, hello, COVID. So that in itself is a really good skill to develop as well, is being creative around how you work around issues, crises that come up, etc. Set yourself stretch goals, plan on how you'll achieve them, and then execute on those plans. So they could be personal goals, professional goals, board goals, whatever it is, um, same sort of process. How do I set it? How do I plan it out? How do I execute on it? Um, and thirdly, with any commitment you take on, be incredibly realistic about how much work you can take on, professional and personal. So for me, I have noticed I have this business, I'm at uni, I'm getting a master's. I have found that it's not necessarily the amount of work you do, it's brain capacity being taken up with stuff. So even when I'm not working or not studying, I find that it's still residing that brain capacity and we only have so much brain capacity and energy. So I say that to keep that in mind that it's not just the activities that we do, it's also um, the real estate that it's taking up in our brain as well that we need to be considerate of. And I want you to make the game winnable. And I mean by that is not taking on too much that you just can't do it or that you're doing it, but you're grumpy, you're overstretched, you're always tired, you're not eating well, etc., etc. Make the game winnable for yourself. Right, so there you have it. I am way over time. I do apologize, but it's been super fun sharing these. I appreciate those of you who have stuck around live. I'm gonna recap the five meta skills for all board members. Um, what I call my perfectly imperfect list. <laughs> it's getting comfortable with uncomfort, with discomfort, sorry, <clears throat> curiosity and courage, self-awareness, not knowing it all and commitment. But what would you add to this list? What meta skill do you, um, have you developed? Do you rely on? Do you find works best for you that you've noticed, observed, whatever? I would love for you to share that in the comments. That would be awesome. Um, and I'd also love to know what's one thing that you're going to take away and potentially implement into your life from today's session um, and share that in the comments as well. That would be great. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Board Shorts podcast. I hope you enjoyed this replay of the Mastering the Keyboard Skills Masterclass from the Board Talk community. I invite you to join us for free at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash board talk. I look forward to seeing you there. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favorite podcast app. And please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag Board Shorts podcast. Thank you again for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. The Board Shorts podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom.